Hey, this is Phil Knizel, lead pastor at Hope City Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. My prayer is that this helps and encourages you, gives you some practical ways to live out your faith, and ultimately fills you with hope. Enjoy the message. Okay, hands up across all our campuses. Who here is tired? Yeah, I figured that. Back in April, CTV News reported on a survey done by a research company that said 49% of Canadians are feeling tired and fatigued. So that's one out of every two of us. They also reported that one out of three of us have trouble sleeping and a high percentage of us are feeling stressed. Welcome to church on this Thanksgiving weekend. And with a reality like that, if you are anything like me, the moment you have a chance to sit and do nothing, you start to feel tired. You might even begin to nod off. Nodding off. We've all done it at one point or another. It's our eyes begin slowly closing. We can barely keep them open. And then all of a sudden, the head drops. It could be in a board meeting. It could be in a lecture at a conference, watching TV, at the game, in school, or while someone is talking. I have nodded off while praying, and even while others have been praying. I've nodded off while waiting for an appointment, or just like yesterday, sitting on a couch after turkey and pumpkin pie. It just kind of makes you nod off. One of my worst nodding off stories occurred when I was 21, and some of you know this. I was driving home with friends after a week-long experience of concerts in Bushnell, Illinois. Home at that time was Kitchener, Ontario. It was a nine-hour drive. I was behind the wheel of my friend's brand-new Volkswagen Golf, and there were four of us in the vehicle. The others were sleeping, and it was 2.47 in the morning, and I could feel myself getting extremely tired. And I started doing the head drop every so often. And I eventually got to the point where I couldn't keep my eyes open and my body just shut down and I fell asleep behind the wheel. I veered off into the center median where because of the gravel and uneven ground, I woke with a shock and in fact, everyone else in the car also woke with a shock. And then I panicked and instead of easing the car back onto the highway, I yanked the wheel super hard to the right and then the car started spinning on the concrete and then went down in the ditch on the other side and immediately started to roll. The whole time I could hear my friend Dave beside me screaming, Phil, not my car, not my new car. (laughs) We've all nodded off before. Most times the consequences aren't as severe as that. I actually heard a story of someone who was going to a Christian university who had a friend who would always sleep in one of the large lecture classes, and so he decided to play a little trick on him. Right in the middle of the lecture, he nudged his sleeping friend and told him that the prof wanted him to close the class in prayer. And so in the middle of the lecture, the guy just stood up, began praying, and saying, thank you, God, for this amazing class they just had. (laughs) Honest question. Hands up again one more time across all our campuses. Have you ever nodded off in church? (laughs) Yeah, you have. I get it. We have comfy seats. The lighting is dim. It can be warm. There was this study conducted on why people fall asleep in church. And I'm like, someone definitely doesn't have enough to do with their life. But besides the point, this is what it concluded. You fall asleep because you go hard all week and sitting down doing nothing causes tiredness. 
You had a terrible sleep the night before. There's indifference. You have a lack of interest in spiritual things and you're here because someone else wants you here. Or you're preoccupied with other things and so your mind starts to wander. And you get this, you're kind of like, it goes like words to, you know, and then all of a sudden, oh, after church, I got to run that errand. I got to drop the kids off there. I got to get something for supper. And then my couch, my beautiful couch. <laughs> the study also concluded you fall asleep because the preacher could be boring. George Whitefield, he was an 8th century preacher who said, to preach more than a half an hour, a man should be an angel himself and have angels for hearers. And I like that. That's why we do one-hour services, because I'm no angel, and I hate to break to you, friends, neither are you, all right? So we're in a series entitled, I Get It, where we're looking at different people from the book of Acts. Acts is the New Testament book that describes the start of the church and the spread of Christianity. It zeroes in on a guy named Paul, who at one point hated and persecuted Christians, but then had this encounter with Jesus that changed his life so dramatically that he became one of the biggest proponents of Christianity. And we're examining individuals who could look at us and say, I know what you're going through. You want the same thing I did. I get it. And today I want to take you to a nodding off story. At this occasion, we find ourselves in a place called Troas, which is now an area at the northern tip of Turkey. And this is what we read, Acts chapter 20. It says this, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. So we being Paul and his companions and some of the believers in Troas. Paul spoke to the people and, because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Talk about lousy church experience right there, right? Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. First off, could you imagine being Eutychus? The only thing recorded about your life that would stand for every generation to read across the world forever was your nodding off story. I mean, you're kind of stoked that you're mentioned in the Bible, but the only mention you get is that you fell asleep. Now, Eutychus was a young guy whose name means Check this out, fortunate or lucky, for sure. But you ever wonder why a story like this is included in the Bible? Now, the writer of Acts was believed to be Luke, who also wrote the third gospel of the New Testament in his self-titled name. And when looking at both the book of Luke and Acts, you notice similarities. You see themes and messages that Luke repeatedly addresses. Three are in this story, which may help us gain some insight as to why a story like this is there. One of those themes that Luke repeatedly hits is sleep or people nodding off. It happens more than once throughout Luke's writings. At one time, he tells us Peter, James, and John, those were Jesus' three close friends, they were nodding off during what was called the transfiguration. This was when Jesus met with Moses and Elijah on a mountain. And so Luke tells us this. 
Peter and his companions were very sleepy or nodding off. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. Later, we read about all the disciples falling asleep in the garden while Jesus was praying before he was arrested and crucified. This happened several times. And then Luke also gives this story of Eutychus who fell asleep. And I'm just glad we have stories like that. Because I think we all relate in the physical because tiredness grips us. Tiredness is normal. But there's this deeper reality and something that Jesus himself even talked about. There's physical tiredness and then there's spiritual tiredness. And if we aren't careful, spiritual tiredness can wreck us. So in that moment in the garden when the disciples were nodding off, Jesus walks up to him and he says this, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So, guard yourself from getting spiritually tired. Another theme Luke details is that of the upper room. Eutychus and the others, we are told, were in the upstairs room. Upstairs rooms provided an intimate setting for Jesus' followers to gather and worship. In Luke 22, we read about Jesus and his disciples having the Last Supper in an upper room before heading out to the Garden of Gethsemane where they would all fall asleep. In Acts 1, we read about the believers gathering in the upper room to pray before the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And upper rooms were significant because they were the precursor to something incredible. They were the places where people gathered and prayed. And I love this message and theme that Luke details because he's making a point. And it makes me wonder, do you have an upper room? A place where you go to meet with God. To pray and to ask God to move. To get away from the rush and just find yourself pushing into the presence of God. Friend, if you don't have that space, I want to encourage you. Create it. Find it. Make time to be alone with God. The last recurring theme Luke emphasizes in, his, in this story and throughout his writings is that of resuscitation or people being raised back to life. He was a doctor by trade and I think this was of interest to him. These are rare occurrences in the Bible, and yet Luke has three of them, four if you include Jesus. In Luke 12, he writes about the time Jesus raised a widow's son from the dead. In Acts 9, he records Peter raising a girl named Tabitha back to life, which incidentally happened in an upper room. In Acts 20, then, we have Paul raising Eutychus. And the message Luke reminds us and is telling us is that Jesus brings dead things back to life. And I want to say this. Whatever is dead in your life, in your circumstance, Jesus can revive it. Friend, if your faith has died, if your passion for Jesus has died, if your heart for reading his word has died, if your love for others has died, it, it doesn't have to stay dead. If your circumstances around you have died, they can be made alive again. Jesus brings life and life to the full. He said this, I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God. And those who listen will what? Live. Paul said you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. Jesus always brings dead things back to life. So if there's something dead in you today, let Jesus bring it back to life. 
Friend, I want to speak life into you and over you. Whatever that circumstance is, whatever that situation is, may it live in Jesus' name. So Eutychus, he, he falls asleep. He drops three stories to the ground and he dies. Paul then stops preaching. He goes outside. He essentially hugs the guy. He comes back to life. And Paul goes back upstairs and continues preaching. And I kind of imagine him going something like this. Okay, everyone, let's, let's gather back together. As I was saying, there is power in Jesus' name. And everyone's like, oh yeah, there is, right? And I also promise you and guarantee you, everyone stayed wide awake for the rest of that night. But you know what I love about this story? I love that Eutychus wasn't chastised for sleeping during Paul's sermon. I love that we have a resurrection moment instead of a reproof moment. You know what this tells me? It tells me that if you put yourself in the right place, even with the wrong disposition, you're going to get something valuable. Everything was working against Eutychus. He was young. The preacher was long-winded. It was the middle of the night. He had just eaten. He was sitting on a windowsill. It was an accident waiting to happen. But that night, Eutychus experienced something that would forever change his life. And there's just two things I want to highlight that I think we can learn from Eutychus. The first one is this. He prioritized church. I mean, he could have said, nah, I'm not going. He could have made excuses about all the good reasons why he should stay home and sleep. He could have decided to leave early and say, this is going way too long. But he didn't. He prioritized church. One of the biggest things that comes through in our society and one of the biggest things that people want is safety. I recently read an article about how to stay even more safe. Number one, avoid riding in automobiles because they are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. Number two, do not stay home because 17% of all accidents occur in the home. Number three, avoid walking on streets or sidewalks because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Number four, avoid traveling by air, rail, or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. Number five, of the remaining 33%, 32% of deaths occur in hospitals, so you, you guessed it, avoid the hospitals. But you will be pleased to learn that 0.001% of all deaths occur in church, and these are usually related to previous physical disorders. Therefore, logic tells us the safest place for you to be at any given point in time is at church, man. <laughs> you see, Eutychus, he, he made it a point to be in that upper room. We don't know his story other than he was there listening and nodding off. But he made it a priority to be there. And so friends, I just want to encourage you as we continue into this fall season, prioritize church. Make it something you value. And I know many of you do. I want to commend you for this. I want to say way to go for this. To our online community, we love you guys. Thank you for this as well. There's just so many options for you to do this. There's this book in the New Testament. It's called Hebrews. We don't know for sure who wrote it, but a lot of people believe it was Luke as well. And in it, the writer underscores this thought of prioritizing church. He says it this way, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And here it is. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, there's a lot of encouragement here. First, he says, let's hold tightly to the hope that we have. And friends, what is our hope? Our hope is that we have a Savior who went to the cross to die for our sins, who forgave us our sins, who rose to offer us life now and forevermore. Our hope is that we have a God who is alive and he is present with us. He is there to help us, lead us, and comfort us. Our hope is that we have a God who can direct us, sustain us, and strengthen us. Our hope is that we have a God who is for us. Our hope is that when we pass from this life to the next life, we will be with him forever. Our hope is that he is coming back again. That's the hope we have as Jesus followers. And as Paul says, this hope will not disappoint us. So let's hold on tightly to that. The next encouragement is that God can be trusted to keep his promises. Now, I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you just need to hear this. You're grasping for something. Listen to me. You can trust the promises of God. And what are some of those promises you can trust? Because maybe you don't know them. Let me give you some. Do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise, friend. Here's another one. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That's a promise. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by his hand. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Hope City, those are the promises of God, and they can be trusted. Meaning, you can bank on them, they are true, they are steadfast. The word of the Lord never fails. And so, the writer of Hebrews hits this prioritizing church message. And he says it this way. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. There's, there's something about the church, like you and I coming together. There's something about this whole idea when people gather. Jesus said, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So when we come together, Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, is present. When we come together, we encourage one another. When we come together, we equip one another towards acts of love and good works. When we come together, we realize, hey, we're not alone in this Christian life. Others are with us. When we come together, we experience God. And my prayer on a continual basis, week after week, is that you don't just come here and experience a slick service with good music and lights and speaking that hopefully doesn't make you nod off. My prayer is that you have an encounter with the living God, that you are changed, that you are transformed, that you are invigorated to live your faith in a way that affects your life and the world. 
My prayer is that if you don't know God, you will experience him. My prayer is that your confidence in Jesus will soar and that your love for him will increase. My prayer is that you would discover hope, purpose, life, and meaning. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will continually move. That's what I pray every time we gather across all our campuses for God's glory and for God's fame. And and here's the thing. God answers those prayers. I can't tell you how many times someone has come to me after a service and says, man, that song changed my life. I was just bawling. Or pastor, it was just you and me in the room today. Everything you were saying, it was like you were reading my mail. And I'm like, bro, that's not me. That's God. It's God speaking to you and challenging you and getting your attention. It's God showing up. And so Hope City, I want to encourage you, maybe challenge and provoke you. Prioritize church. Prioritize gathering with other people, with believers. And here's some truth. You're not always going to feel like it. But that actually brings me to the next thing Eutychus can teach us. The consistency of showing up, even when you don't feel like it, could be the precursor to your miracle. Even if you go to church and nod off, still go. I bet you never heard a pastor say that. Even if you come to church and sleep, yeah, just come. Because here's the thing. It might just be your resurrection moment. Sure, the kids were up late or all night. Sure, the traffic is nuts. But just show up, tune in, attend Sunday or Thursday. Because here's what I can promise you. God has something for you. When we prioritize God things, God things will happen. Because it might just be in church where God will arrest your attention and speak to you. It might just be in church where God sparks that vision for your next. It might just be in church where someone prays with you and you find the comfort you need. It might just be in church where you find strength for tomorrow. It might just be in church where you embrace forgiveness and a fresh start. And hey, it might just be in church where you find your spouse. Just just saying. See, there will be times when everything in your life is screaming otherwise, steering otherwise. You may not feel like it. You may have had a rough week. You may have had a run-in with someone from church and you just don't want to see them. Bro, we're big enough. You heard we have an 845 service. Go there, man. You just might show up and drift. You might be a million miles from what is going on. You might think this isn't for me today and all of a sudden God breaks through the clutter because he wants to know you. And he wants you to know he is for you, that he loves you, that he is present. It might just be the day when he wants to do that miracle in your life. I recently read this story of a woman called Chasasun from South Korea. She became known for her perseverance for just showing up. The 68-year-old woman passed the written exam for a driver's license, check this out, on her 960th try. She took her first test in April 2005 and failed 959 times before passing in November of 2009. And I just made every teenager in the room feel amazing, right? (laughs) Friends, just show up. You never know when your 960th time might come. Because when you show up, God is present and he has what you need. He is a good father who is here for you. 
And so even by showing up today, I commend you. And my prayer is that God is doing something in your heart and in your life and in your spirit today. It's about consistency, about faithfulness, about commitment. Even if you nod off, God could have something for you because that is the goodness of our God. Remember that accident where I fell asleep behind the wheel? Besides riding off my buddy's new vehicle, besides losing valuable merch from the car as we were rolling in the field, it became this miraculous God moment for me for a couple of reasons. First, no one was injured, and that was a miracle. I was obviously feeling horrible about what I did to my friend's vehicle and what happened. And I remember that night, we were waiting for my dad to pick us up at this gas station, seven-hour drive from Kitchener. And I was sitting alone at a booth in the gas station. I think my friends were outside hacky sacking or something. And after a while, they came to me and they, they handed me this brown paper bag and they said, Phil, we bought you something. And I opened it up and inside is this cassette tape. Yeah, we're that old. And, and I look at it and this is what the band was. The band was called Asleep at the Wheel. True story, man. Like, what an awesome memory, right? I still have that cassette. But secondly and more importantly, that accident changed my life. From then on, I was fully committed for, to following Jesus. I surrendered my life to him. I said, okay, God, you got me. Whatever you want me to do, I will. It was the miracle I needed. And here's the thing. It happened when I nodded off. Eutychus was never the same again. His life was forever changed. So on this Thanksgiving weekend, let's take the lesson of a kid who nodded off in church to heart. May you prioritize church and may you consistently show up even when you don't feel like it because it may just be the precursor to something incredible in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand if you can. I'm going to close in praying over and for you. God, I thank you that as we gather, you are present. I thank you for every person who is joining us either online or at our campuses or here at Millwoods. And we truly want to put you first in our life. And so I pray if someone needs to hold on to the hope that's in you today, I pray for hope to arise in their hearts. I pray for confidence in that hope. If someone needs to grasp onto the promises of you today, God, I pray that they know that your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, meaning they can depend upon them, they can trust them, and they can look to you because they are a sure foundation. And so speak your promises into every heart and life. If someone needs a fresh encounter with you, I pray today they have a fresh encounter with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you grip them, that you let them know how much you love them, how much you desire to move in their life and in their heart, how much you want to do life with them. And God, I pray that they know that you are for them. If someone's waiting for that miracle, God, may you break through whatever circumstance, whatever situation, whatever they are facing. God, in your power, in your strength, may you break through today and may they see you come alongside of them and say, this was the day God changed everything for me. And I pray if something dead needs to come back to life, Jesus, may you make it alive in your name. And so I thank you for these amazing people and I pray this over and for them in your powerful name. If you're joining us and you don't know who Jesus is personally, 
I want to tell you, following Jesus is the best decision you can make in your life. And I'm going to pray a prayer here shortly that helps you put into words to begin that journey. And if you're saying, I believe that Jesus went to the cross to die for my sins. I believe that he rose and he offers me life both now and forevermore. And I want to embrace that. Pray along with me. Jesus, today I see my need for you. And I thank you for all that you did for me on that cross. And so I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe, Jesus, that you rose to offer me both life and now forevermore. And so help me to make you Lord and leader and follow you all my days. And Lord, I pray over every individual, every couple, and every family. As they go into this week, I pray your strength, your wisdom, your guidance. I pray your nearness. I pray that they know that you are for them and that they may walk in the confidence of the hope and the promises. I pray that as they strive to put you first, may they prioritize the gathering of believers and may they see every time we gather, you fill them, you speak to them, you do something to them. And I'm so grateful for that. So may they feel empowered to face the week ahead for your glory and for your honor. Pray this all in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed the prayer of surrendering your life to Christ for the first time, or rededication prayer even, I'm going to ask you to scan the QR code that's up on the screen here. We would love to connect with you and help you take some next steps in knowing and following Jesus, and that's part of the process here. So just do that for us. We, we really want to get to know you. If you're joining us in person and you want prayer about anything in your life, we're going to have a prayer team available down at your front left after the service. Hope City, before you leave, I just want to speak a blessing over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Happy Thanksgiving. Love you guys. Cheering you on. Thanks for being in church today.